let me tell you, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what that means. If God knows the end from the beginning, then he must have known that this woman that he brought huh, was going to lead to the fall of man. So if God, knowing that this woman is going to lead to the fall of man and still gave man and said, this is your wife, that means the fall of man was actually orchestrated by God. Then that means that God is not just because it was a setup. It was called entrapment. That is what they are saying. They don't, you know, that is the silent consequence of what this, this clergy people are teaching. That it was God that brought, that means it was God that orchestrated it. The fall of man. If that were true, if their analogy is true, what they are not telling you, what you don't want to think of because of sacrilege, because of treachery, because of an abomination, you don't want to offend God. What you don't want to expand your mind to think of is that if God truly gave Eve to Adam for wife, that means God intentionally sabotaged the future of man. Yes, because he knows the end from the beginning. He's Alpha Omega. Before you were born in your womb, he knows who you are, called you by name. So he already knew what you would become. So it means he already knew. But because God did not give him a wife, God gave him a companion. He chose, like we're all choosing today. God brought her for a name. The man gave her a title, wife, and did not name her called her woman. It was after everything collapsed, he now gave her a name called Eve. Okay, let me stop with the greetings now. Uh, let me go straight into the topic for today. Um, last week, I don't know uh, if any of you um, listened to, followed us on air. Uh, that was on my radio program, Relationship 360. I don't know if you followed and you heard the story of uh, a woman who out of her, her, her wanting to keep her family, her marriage at all costs, subjected herself to be taken to a mental institution. After those ones found nothing wrong with her, the husband took her to a, an Islamic institution also for mental uh, mental uh, disorders and all that so uh, she was chained down for three weeks just to keep her marriage eventually she had to to run so last week i spoke to the women women have the highest 
rates of spousal, uh, spousal uh, should I say, casualties. There are more of the casualties and there are more of the fatalities. And there is, there is a, a, a theme, there is a rhythm to the women that I am just trying to get. So what I did was that I started with our cases from uh, January uh, 2021 to November 2022, which is almost two years. And I started grouping. And for the women, I saw that the main things, the main problems women have, and that is the causes of their separations, the causes of their domestic violence and abuse, I grouped into uh, three, I think. The first was the spirituality of um, their relationships. The first thing they would say is that God told them to marry and all that. I broke that down to show you that that is not possible. Then uh, those that keep giving birth in abuse, those that are in abusive marriages and then keep reproducing, which end up to be single mothers outside with four, five, six children. And I told women especially that the moment abuse and violence starts, you need to stop giving birth so that you can decide. You know, it is easier to live with one or two children than to live with five, six, seven children. And pregnancies have always been a control tool. The moment you say you want to leave, you are pregnant again. You can't. Who would take you in with your pregnancies? And the more children you have, the less likely you are to leave. The third were those women who were told to give up their jobs because of their marriage. Those that their husbands told them to stop work, you can't do this, you can't do that, go home. And then when they raised objections, you know, you have uh, uh, their family members, elders, even the clergy, their, their church elders and all those pastors coming to tell you, so, you know, you need to choose between your marriage and your career. Will you let your career get in between your marriage? And they all convince you to give up your dreams and aspirations on the altar of marriage. And at the end of the day, the marriage doesn't work out. You are kicked out after 10 years, after 12 years with nothing because you have no job. You have no career. You end up being a despondent begging for support from A to Z. So I tell women, never give up your job. Never give up your career or your business for your marriage. If your career is too demanding, in fact, that means because of the nature of your job, you have little time. Then you can request for another job that is less demanding, another department that would not take your time. But never give up your job in its entirety because of marriage. It is deadly, number one, because if your husband loses his job, you actually have nothing. Then of what use are you when you are called a helper, a helpmeet, but you have nothing to help with? If both of you were gainfully employed, if one lose the, lost the job, the other can support. But when you have nothing to support with, you are a liability and not an asset. Then those that have women that have property, 
that would not put their husband's name. If a woman, uh, you're a woman, you buy property, put your name on it. That is, even if you are married. You buy a car, put your name on it, except the car is a gift to your husband. I, well, I was blessed to buy my wife a, a, a car. I didn't put Mr. and Mrs. It's her name on it. Full name, I mean, it has no trace to me because it is a gift. But some people will say, uh, I have someone who the husband bought uh, a Range Rover for as a gift, but it is in his name. So I asked, what kind of gift bears another person's name? I, I, I asked, I said, what kind of gift will bear another person's name? That is a Trojan gift. It's like giving you meat to swallow. Meanwhile, I tied a thread and I'm holding the thread to the meat you just swallowed, meaning I can pull it out when I need, you know. Uh, so, for the women, that was it. Now, today I want to talk to the men. I'm smiling because the problems of men, ladies and gentlemen, are more than the problems of women. I did the same thing from January 2021 to November 2022. Lots of men. In fact, the past two weeks, I've only had two women. Every other case has been men exclusively for a month. Not that men were not coming, but I'm telling you that more men are coming out since uh, January 2021 till now. The cases of men have been alarming. You know, we lost a lot of men as well. I told you that this year has a very, very high casualty rate. Just two days ago, uh, a, a woman stabbed her husband in um, Ondo State, no, or your state, because he asked for sex. When she denied him, he seized her phone and threw it on the floor. You know, he was angry taking her phone, slamming on the floor. She went into the kitchen, brought out a knife and stabbed him in the heart. Uh, about three months ago, there was a gentleman too who, while he was sleeping, the wife poured kerosene on him and burnt him alive. He didn't die. He was rushed to the hospital where he told his story and then gave up the ghost. The wife was on the run when operatives tracked her down to the, bo uh, to the, to, to the car park. She was about to take a bus into the neighboring town. When she saw that she had been caught, she quickly dipped her hand in a bag and swallowed poison and died right there while she was being arrested. She started convulsing and died. It has been a very tragic year. But for men, their mistakes are fivefold. For the women, I could narrow it down to three or four. But for the men, the first problem of men is the spiritual issue of God telling them that this is their wife. I think that spiritual, you know, telling us that um, I prayed about it and, you know, I had peace. You know, I, you know, I even went to my pastor. My pastor confirmed it. You know, I introduced her. My pastor prayed and said, yes, this is my wife or this is not. You know, that is like water. 
men. You know, you know, I prayed about it. It was God. Let me leave. That's number one. Number two, men marrying women they don't know. Let me explain. They were introduced to this woman by this person. You know, I wanted to, and um, my auntie introduced me to this girl. My uncle introduced me to this girl. I told them that I was looking for a wife. So they introduced me to this girl. The issue is that after introduction, did you date? No. Why? Because for my auntie, my auntie is a very religious woman. You know, she had, she had prayed about it and, you know, or my pastor introduced me to this, or I met this girl in this. They just married either because they met in church or because they were introduced by a family member or they were looking for a wife. So, you know, this one just told me, and they did not date. In two months, they were married. There was a gentleman who I, I think two months ago, in two weeks, they were married. Two weeks. They were married. So the problem is that men were marrying total strangers. Soliano Concepts, good evening. They were marrying total and absolute strangers. They did not date. So they did not know the character of the woman that they were marrying. So what they ought to have seen while dating, they are now seeing in marriage. But the difference is that had they known that this is how it would be, this is the character of the woman, then they would not have married. The third were men in long-distance relationships. They were always talking over the phone. They were talking, doing video calls. They were not really, you know, this one is... You know, uh, let me tell you the, the, the definition of long-distance relationships or long-distance is that people who are geographically separated. But I have, I have a variation to that because you can be living in the same local government with someone and still be in a long-distance relationship. Why? Because you never see. This one is busy. That one is, you see maybe once, uh, a month, you come, you do weekend, Saturday, uh, Friday, you go on Monday, you, this one is busy, that, you don't really see much. So my own definition of a long-distance relationship are those that you do not see, you do not, you don't, you are not physically connected. Small chats on the phone, it's more video calls than actual FaceTime. That is, both of you meeting face-to-face. Then the fourth one, ladies and gentlemen, are men that marry from their tribe. They'll say, ah, we are from the same village. We are from the same town. So I don't understand whether they think that their tribe guarantees a happy marriage, that because she's from my village, because she's from my town, it means that she's a good person. Or even you are a good person. As if... There are no spousal abuse. There are no, there's no domestic violence or separation or divorce in their tribe. As if because we are from the same tribe, because I'm Yoruba, I'm from Undo, she's from Undo, I'm from Akure, she's from Akure, means that that is a happy 
a resume for a happy marriage. Then the fifth problem is the problem of tradition and culture. Now, there are some people that the problem is not the husband or the wife. The problem is the tradition and the culture of the wife or the husband. So what they are battling is the long-standing custom being enforced by the mother-in-law, father-in-law, or by the emissaries of culture. And they will tell you, this is how we do We don't do it like that. We don't. So uh, it was late last year, a man was prevailed upon by his mother. <laughs> and he killed his firstborn twins. Remember killing of twins? were mostly in the eastern, that is towards Calabar, Kwaibom, you know, that side, they believed in the killing of twins. Now, these twins, unfortunately, were not babies. They had grown. They were 11 years old. So why would a man who did not, if you are talking about tradition and custom, they ought to have killed the twins at birth? He allowed them to live. But they were 11. They were 11. And that, that demon of culture, tradition, superstition came on him. And he told them to escort him to the farm. And he killed his twin daughters in the farm. Why did he now wait for 11 years? So uh, there are times when it is tradition and culture that has been the problem of a lot of men. There was a divorce where, while they were dating, you know, the girl is, her body language, she holds him, touches him on the head while they're hugging and maybe kissing. When they got married, after some time, you know, uh, the mother-in-law came and while she was going out, she hugged him and touched, you know, would hold the back of his head, kissed him and went out. And the mother-in-law said, how can a woman touch you on the head? That they don't do that where they come from. That is disrespectful. And when the lady came, well, they were, the man said, never in you there. It is still, okay, thank God, we are back. And then the man said, never in your life touch my head again. That it is disrespectful. Do you know what? And the girl was wondering what we had been doing while we were dating. What happened? What did I do? The mother had even gone ahead to say something like, if, you know, you touch the head, maybe you want to change the glory. So, for men, I have categorized it into five mistakes that men have been making in the past two years. Now, I really want to go into this issue of spirituality. Today, I want to tell you something. I want to show you something I can guarantee you have not seen before. Sorry, I switched from one um, network provider to another. I, the live video paused and I switched. I don't know. But I, I, I hope everybody is hearing because blessing underscore Victoria says bad network. Please, if you can hear me, can, just, can you just tell me if, uh, if you have, if you can. Um, uh, Hello, can somebody, I'm sorry for joining late. No. 
So fortunate Georgia. Can you can you hear me? Can you hear me? Blossom dot John, you said it is fine. Fantastic. So you can hear me. Fantastic. So please I want to take you to this issue. Now, when I told men, I started uh, online book broadcasting, that is on the radio, 6th of January, 2020. And I started by telling them, from Genesis to Revelations, there has been no place where God told anybody to marry anybody. It is not there. Even in the birth of Christ, you would look at it. The angels were busy. One angel came to Mary. The other went to Elizabeth. The other went to Zachariah. But no angel went to Joseph to tell him that, um, Oga, go down the street of uh, Ikorodu. You go upstairs. The first street on the right, the first house. Knock on it. You see a girl called Mary. That is your wife. It didn't happen. Joseph had already chosen his wife. And that was the birth of Christ, which is singularly the most important event in the history and future of mankind. Still, God was silent, did not tell Joseph whom to marry, knowing that through whoever Joseph chooses, the Messiah will come. But there is no record that any angel, in fact, no angel visited Joseph until he met her with child. And when he was discouraged and wanted to, break off the engagement, the angel had to quickly come and rectify that by saying, listen, this is not by the hand of man. This is the work of God. The angel had to come and intervene then. But they never chose. And that was in the birth of Christ. God did not interfere or tell Joseph who to marry. So who are you? And what do you want to give birth to? That God will have to tell you who to marry. When God did not tell Joseph who was the custodian of the Messiah, who to marry, then who are you that you will now say God told you? 